0: Spencer. What's up, Paul? How you doing? How you doing, man? Not bad myself. How about you? I'm doing okay. I'm adjusting. <laughs> Good to know. Well, on that note, guys, today we have ESPN National Basketball Director for high school basketball m NBA draft analyst Paul
1: Biancardi joining me. What's going on, man? Adjusting to being isolated and trying to make the most of every day by being productive work-wise and Spending a little bit more time on myself, trying to get myself in a little better shape. Probably walking more than I've ever walked in my life.
0: <laughs> yes. I see your Instagram. You're always interviewing um high school recruits on your podcast. Um and I actually listened to that one you did
1: with Tipton Edits, which was it kind was of very cool. cool. Joe's uh an up and coming guy in the business, and I've known him for the last three or four years.
0: That's very that's very cool. So yeah, let's get right into it. So the first thing you know talk a little bit about your background. I saw on your Twitter bio you actually coach at a few D1 schools which I did not did not know.
1: Yeah, that's really Spencer I'm a coach at heart. I I played Division 3. Um I mm-hmm. played for a guy by the name of Tom Thibodeau. Okay. And uh, <laughs> we know he coached the Bulls in Minnesota and I believe he'll coach again in the NBA. Long-time assistant coach as well. So that mm-hmm. that propelled me into coaching at Division 3. I went from Division Three to a volunteer spot at Boston University, where I volunteered all my time just to be in the profession. And then I went from a volunteer to a graduate assistant at Boston College. Got into the Big East in the early 90s, when it was maybe the best conference in the country. And I spent mm-hmm. seven years at Boston College, went to an Elite Eight, and won a Big East championship. Uh, transitioned over to Ohio State, Big Ten country. Spent six years there, a couple of Big Ten championships and a Final Four. Became a head coach at Wright State. And after I finished that, I became an assistant at St. Louis University in the Atlantic Ten. And then Mm -hmm. I had an opportunity to get this job with ESPN and come in on the ground floor. They were looking for a former head coach or a high major assistant who could rank, grade, evaluate, and understand, you know, the players of today at the high level. So I had that background uh, and it also allowed me to do high school games on TV as an analyst, uh, do college games as an analyst as well, which, you know, my heart was in the college game. But Mm -hmm. with the high level recruiting, the evaluating over time, uh, they they thought I was a good fit for the job. I thought I was a good fit and it uh, got in, took off, never looked back.
0: Yeah, with the recruiting as well, because I remember you on TV watching, you know, Ben Simmons when he was in high school, you were doing the games. But I saw Tipton Edit's post, and he was saying how Cade Cunningham was like 144th in the country to, to number one. So how do those evaluations work? Like, do you do you go strictly off film? or? Well, no, like I do a thorough or... job.
1: I have a, a good group that helps me out. But you know it, it's detailed. It's well thought out. It's we're not throwing d- darts at a dartboard and see what sticks. And um, I had a chance. I didn't. I don't rank anybody unless I see them myself. And with Cunningham, okay. I had a chance to see him at Montverde uh, early on. And you know a lot of guys are out of the rankings, and then they make their way into the rankings. And sometimes guys are in the yeah. rankings early because of some physical measurables or some great potential but they never pan out so they slip and slide down uh some guys make their way up slowly incrementally it's all different ways guys Mm -hmm. get into this uh prestigious i i call it a prestigious list now it's not the end all be all because the guy who's number 101 102 those guys are really high-end players but with any list you have to have a cutoff point and um you got to figure out who should be on and who just missed it. But there's some great players in the country. Just yeah. for your knowledge, there's about 1,000 Division One high school kids every year that end up going D1. We only rank 100. So wow. that, that's an elite list. Mm-hmm. But like I said, there's 900 guys that go play D1, and so many have great careers. They become all-conference. Uh, just because you're not ranked doesn't mean you can't have a great career. It doesn't mean you can't play at the next level. It just means those guys are ranked, and those guys mm-hmm. are very good right now. They have a proven track record, and/or they have enormous upside in the game still.
0: Yeah. Speaking of the rankings again, um, obviously Michigan State finished with two top 100 prospects in 2020 with AJ Hoggard and yeah. Matty Sissoko. Um, and then a lot, a lot of fans are wondering, you know, like I asked you about Kareem Main. I know he's still in the draft process, but do you see him withdrawing
1: from that? And if so, how good of a chance do well, you think? Well, I think his his intention is to, you know, go into the NBA. I don't. I have not heard anything different from mm-hmm. all my sources that he's thinking about going to school. Now that could change because we don't even know when the NBA draft is going to be. This is this is a strange year. Um, yeah. Obviously, it's a strange time in our in our world, so it, it changes the dates on deadlines. It it changes everything. So some guys could, you know, decide to go to college in September, the last minute, um, because we don't even know when the draft is. So we don't even know the NCAA date, the cutoff point where they have to either stay in or pull their name out. And that that's usually done by mm-hmm. in the past. It's been 10 days after the combine because the NBA, uh, the NCAA yep. felt that, hey, 10 days after the combine, you have a great idea whether or not you're, what your position could be in the draft. So it gives you that 10 day grace period to uh, come back to college. Don't know when that's going to be. But right now his, his intention is to stay in the NBA draft.
0: Yeah. And with a lot of players, I didn't know, like, you know, like there's some players like Aaron Henry, some worry, you know, he might leave, which he probably wouldn't get drafted, but you know, the middle, middle pack guys like him, do you see them, you know, Staying in the draft, or do you think a lot of those guys? Will I think if you're a middle pack guy
1: and you're you have any question marks at all, I think you come back and answer those question marks because, you know, the the draft people are, aren't going to take chances with middle of the road guys. Those guys will go undrafted, and, mm-hmm. and and then it's a really long haul to even get a chance at a, a G League team. Uh, th- this is not the the bright lights and the the flashiness that it appears to be you have 60 spots in the NBA draft right now. We have, I'm guessing I was told last about 150 underclassmen that have declared. Now, wow. a lot of those guys are going to take their name off the board and, and I hope at least a hundred of them do. Uh, Cause then you have some seniors <laughs> and then obviously you have the international kids. Don't forget there's guys in the G league that are trying to move their way up. There's two way guys that are hoping to make a roster. You have, to, you have to time this just right. And if you're at your peak right now, then maybe you have to stay in the draft if you're at your peak. If you have a chance to improve your body, improve your game, improve your IQ, and if you're that good, I think you should go back to college and really try to in- improve your stock and then help your college team win. I think a perfect example recently has been P.J. Washington. You know, he could have went to the, to the draft yeah. that first year. Probably would have been a second round pick, but he, he upped his three point mm-hmm. field goal percentage. He got in better shape, became a better defender, became somewhat of a a leader at Kentucky, helped them to a, a very successful season. And, and now he's in the lottery. And so if you're that good and you can, you know, if you believe in yourself and you got a guy like say Tom Izzo, the, Tom Izzo, John Calipari, they know exactly what you have to do on the court to be an NBA player. So, you know, those are the type of programs that can can take you and, and make you an NBA player if you have NBA talent.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100% agree, and that's some really good insight on that kind of stuff for the people that don't know. But next, let's get into 2021 recruiting. So Michigan State's only offered six prospects, surprisingly, um, not counting Charles Badako, however you pronounce it, out of Canada. But six pro- prospects in the United States. And the first one, obviously, Jaden Atkins, four-star out of Farmington, Michigan. Um, doesn't have the biggest offers as of yet. I think he would have probably blown up more if they would have had the summer ball. But where do you think Michigan State stands with well, him I think they're the in moment? good shape
1: with him. But I also think Michigan's in real good shape as well as Iowa and, and Missouri. Now, I think you're exactly right, Spencer. Atkins is a kid who if he played this summer, you know, he, he would blow up. I hate to use that term blow up, but I think that he would make his mark. Mm -hmm. I think that he would establish himself in this class. And, you know, I think he'd work himself into being a top 100 type player. He has the athleticism. He has the stroke, got a little Mm -hmm. bit of speed and I like the way he can find a guy off of dribble penetration. You know, he's a playmaker. He's a shot maker. Of course he's got to get stronger. He's got to become a better defender. Every high school kid has, you know, so many areas that they have to improve in. But I think he's a guy who likes the ball. And if you like to play and you really love to play, you know, the summer is your time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Michigan State's obviously going to need a point guard in that class with the potential of yep. Rocker Watts yep. leaving. Um, yeah, not, not knowing what, obviously, posture lawyer hasn't really panned out. So that's going to be a big need. Um, next, obviously, Max Christie. I'm not sure ESPN has him ranked, but I know, you know, 247 and that has him top 25, five star out of Illinois. He recently said he was looking to commit before, you know, the start of high school season. Um, so where do you think Michigan State stands with him? I know he's like, you know, has a lot of schools, but we were the last school he visited before the shutdown. Well, yeah, going.
1: Max Christie is 14 on our big board in the class of 2021. Mm-hmm. Michigan State, I know they've put a lot of time into him, as you mentioned just recently with the visit, but they've been down to his school several times. I think you got to fight off Northwestern, Mm -hmm. uh, as simple as that sounds, but I think they're they're making a hard charge. I think Duke is very interested. Cal is in there from the West Coast. Illinois has done a good job. Florida has made a mark, and DePaul is lurking around, as well as Virginia. So I, I think Michigan State, though, in my mind, right now, would be one of the favorites for Max Christie. Okay. So, would you list them as leader? As a well, I would. I, I that's just on oh my gut. That I have no facts to back that up. I just know they've put a lot of time into them. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Next up, if I pronounce his last name wrong, guys, sorry. So, Charles Badako. He's from Canada. Um, Five star center. Where do you think – I mean, recently someone out of Rivals, I think Corey Evans listed us as the leader. I was kind of shocked seeing how many centers we have on the team. Um, Obviously, Duke's in the mix
1: as well. Do you see Michigan yeah, State have a good in shot mix at him? With him? I think Maddie Sissoko, you know, big, strong center, mm-hmm. really athletic kid, part of their freshman class. He he could have a good freshman season and be good enough to, to get drafted. So I think if you're Michigan State – I think you need a point guard and a big I, in, in this 2021 class. And obviously you need a wing, but um, yeah, I think they're involved with him. But, you know, when, when you look at his recruiting, I know Alabama is in there tight. Arizona state has some ties. Um, you know, a lot of these kids in 2021, Spencer, they're going to commit late. They're going to wait and see who's offering and the coaches get got to get out and see these guys a little bit more. Um, this is going to be a late signing class, yeah. in my opinion. And, and just to get back on Max Christie for a minute. Uh, the one thing I do know is Max Christie and Patrick Baldwin are very close. Now, Patrick Baldwin, as you know, is, yep. is one of the top players in the class of 2021. You know, we have him as the number three player in the ESPN 60. Great shooter out of Milwaukee. You know, him and, um, Christie are tight. There is some rumblings that they may look to go together. That doesn't always pan out, but keep your eye on that. Yeah,
0: and I forgot, like you just mentioned, um, they were saying Baldwin was yeah. pretty interested I in think, Duke, I so think, that would be I think Duke go, and Baldwin um, are
1: really tight. I think Michigan has made a big mark with Baldwin. Um, Northwestern is gonna, you know, be in the hunt because Dad played there. And, you know, you never know if dad becomes on staff at Northwestern. That can always change things. Like you look at USC, you know, they, they hired Evan Mobley's dad years ago. Now, Patrick Baldwin Sr., obviously the head coach at Milwaukee. Uh, but, but you just don't know what's going to happen in the world of recruiting. And Northwestern, I think, would mm-hmm. be a viable option for Pat Baldwin.
0: And it's funny you keep mentioning Northwestern because I ha- I know a guy that you know films for Ball's Life and all that. And he keep he keeps telling me you know Northwestern don't sleep on them. They got Roper the four star the other week. Um, he even told me you know Atkins is a bit, excuse me very well. Very they're, work, considering yeah, them they're working yeah they're working
1: really so hard. Chris I, I Collins do- is a tireless recruiter. <laughs> I mean don't forget you know all the work he did at Duke. He made a lot of inroads. He made a lot of relationships. He's done a really terrific job at Northwestern. It's a hard job to win at consistently. Uh, he's working at building relationships. Mm-hmm. He is not taking no for an answer. He's putting a lot of time into all these good prospects. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um,
0: and obviously the question everyone want, everyone asks me every day on Instagram, Amani Bates recruitment. So first off, what do you think the chance of him reclassifying to 2021? Um, and if he does reclassify, You know, do you you see Michigan State as a viable option? Well, I
1: think there's a a chance to reclassify always if you're a high-level player because a lot of these guys, you know, see themselves as potential one-and-done guys, so they want to get to college quicker to take a shot at the NBA draft a little faster. With that said, Imani Mm -hmm. loves being a kid. He loves being in his grade. Um, You know, talking to him and the dad over the years, they're not rushing the process. And and I personally like that. Uh, he, domi- he dominates, you know, his age mm-hmm. group. He plays up. He, and obviously he dominates that as well. Um, but <laughs> at this time with the pandemic, a lot of, nobody's playing basketball. So a lot of kids are saying, I'm just going to take classes. And you know what? I'm going to reclassify and get my schoolwork done. This way I can go to college sooner. So I, I think in the class of 20. 21, we're going to see a couple more guys reclassify to 2020. We had Christian Lander do that just recently. We knew about that. Are there some other guys in 2021 that Mm -hmm. may make the jump? Can Imani Bates, you know, reclassify to 2021? Absolutely. If he's taking more classes during this spring and summer when he can't play ball, uh, I I think it's a viable Mm -hmm. option. And also I can tell you this. I was in Atlanta at the EYBL in April, last April. I was there at 9 a.m. to watch Bates. In the front row Mm -hmm. was Tom Izzo and his staff at 9 a.m. watching Bates. So I would tell you this. They are working extremely hard on Bates um, because at that time they talked about the one-and-done rule going away, but nothing became concrete. And now you hear no discussion of the Mm -hmm. one-and-done rule going away. I think the pandemic has put things like that you know, to the back burner because the NBA is trying to figure out, you know, when their season's going to resume. Then when are they going to have a draft? Then what mm-hmm. about next year? So I, I think the one and done is going to stick around a little bit longer than people think. And, and Bates, you know, mm-hmm. will have an option to go to college or he can go to the G League if that's something that interests him. But I got to tell you, I can't think of anybody more than Michigan State that's put in more time with, with Imani Bates. Exactly. The only school I would
0: say would be, I don't even know about Michigan, but I know Kentucky was interested, but I'm not sure. Well, I know Kentucky's you know, very interested in him, and, but, and
1: they put time into him. But I can tell you this. When when John Beeline was at Michigan, John decided not to you know, go after Bates because he felt that the one-and-done rule would, um, would, would happen, and he didn't want to waste his time. He wanted to recruit kids that he felt that really wanted to go to college or had the chance to go, and that was a smart mm-hmm. decision. In some ways, uh, John ended up going to the NBA anyway. Now, if Jawan Howard has jumped into the race, which I'm sure he has, he's behind, he's, he's behind Michigan State right now, yeah. I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm.
0: And you brought up, you know, the one-and-done rule being pushed back, potentially, um, but what we didn't talk about, and I know, you know, I'm very curious to know, is the G League new implement with, obviously, Jalen Green getting paid 500 grand to go play over there, a few other players. Um, obviously Isaiah Todd decommitting from Michigan. Do you think you're going to see a lot more 2021 prospects do the G League route? Um, and obviously the one and done. I think I'm more concerned with the G League route because the one and done, if it happens, you know it happens. But the G League is really interesting to know. I'm really interested to know. Well, I think it's a terrific model
1: for those that do not want to go to college mm-hmm. that see themselves as NBA first round picks. They have an opportunity to get paid, get, you know, get, get compensated very well, be in a situation where they can train solely for the craft that they want to be into, which is the NBA. Now, the G League, they're only making mm-hmm. those invites to guys that they believe are first-round draft picks or at least second-round draft picks at the very worst. Because if you're the G League, you don't want to bring mm-hmm. guys in from high school and then they don't get drafted. That, that's not a good look. So you, you go after your number one mm-hmm. recruit. It's like recruiting in college. Okay, Jalen Green was their number one recruit. They got their number one recruit. And if they had their choice, they would take Kay Cunningham, they would take Evan Mobley, and then they would take Scotty Barnes. But, <laughs> you know, the, the, the high-end money is slotted for one person. So they got that guy at 500000 Then they have another slot. And they go down, you know, the list of rankings, and and not just rankings, but who they feel uh, can be a lottery pick or a first round pick. And then, you know, the guys that they reach out to, they have to reciprocate and want to listen. If not, they go to the next guy. And then, they, so they went to Isaiah Todd, and then they went mm-hmm. to Deshaun Nix, and and the money goes down in scale because they only have so much to give out, but. I'm look, you're looking at three to five guys every year that are going to be put on what they call an affiliate team. It's not a G League team. It's an affiliate team. So they're not in the G League standings. They're not in a G League um, town, like, say, in Fort Wayne, Indiana. They are somewhere mm-hmm. south of Los Angeles. They're going to come up with a facility. Uh, they'll have housing, and they'll do individual workouts in the morning. They'll have team practice in the afternoon. Um, they'll do strength and conditioning, whether it's at night or early in the morning, it will be full-time training, um, seven days a week. And then they will play scheduled games against some G league teams. They'll play against some of the, uh, academy teams that are from India, China, uh, over in Europe that they can play anybody they want to really. Uh, so they're going to make their own schedule. Mm -hmm. I've been told about 15 games, Uh, a lot of scrimmaging, a lot of workouts, and they're position, positioning themselves, you know, to be in the NBA draft. And they're getting coached by, you know, a former NBA head coach, Sam Mitchell. So th- this was a really mm-hmm. bold move and a smart move by the G League. They're setting these guys up for success. They're going to give them the resources. They're going to give them the coaches. They're giving them the salary. And now it's up to these guys to make it happen for themselves. That hurts the college game a little bit, but certainly not, you know, as much as people talk about. Sure, the college game would love to have Jalen Green, Isaiah Todd, Deshaun Nix, but the college game is going to thrive because it has Cape Cunningham, it has Evan Mobley, it has Scotty Barnes, it has B.J. Boston. I mean, I can go on and (laughs) on. This this class of 220 is spectacular. Mm -hmm. So we'd love to have those guys in the college game, but those guys decided to go a different route. And and so now they're in there and and Mm -hmm. hopefully they'll get drafted. I mean, Jalen Green, obviously, but those other guys get drafted and make a club because, you know, there's no going back to college now for those guys.
0: But see, I'm confused. Like, I don't know what this is really doing for the G. Like I know it's helping the players out, but then like you'll some, I know Steven Jackson and Matt Barnes of that podcast, all the smoke and they were saying something like, you know, it's not really going to benefit the lower guys. Um, but I, I agree with you with the college. Um, I was going to ask you about Not at you all. Know, won't hurt the hurt game the at game, all. I mean, very,
1: very little. Yeah. You're going to miss the uh-huh. Jalen Green. Look, James Wiseman played three games last year. The college basketball was as yeah. exciting as ever. And, and I love James Wiseman. I thought he would have been mm-hmm. a dominating force for Memphis. But he didn't play. And, you know, mm-hmm. his name was brought up a few times. And after that, it was Obi Toppin, Luca Garza. You know Vernon Carey, Cole Anthony, and Cole missed about eleven games. Anthony Edwards, I mean, there's so mm-hmm. much talent in college basketball. With a Jalen Green and an Isaiah Todd, they show next there'd be more talent. But there's plenty of talent, plenty of star power, and and to answer your question, the G League, you know, it 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 enhances the G League's profile when they can get high level high school players to play under their umbrella because they're preparing these guys for the NBA. And don't forget the NBA owns the G league. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, I appreciate you for doing this, Paul. i um, giving me great insight, all the stuff, all the recruiting and all that. All right, stuff.
1: Spencer. Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely.